welcome to The Bookmonger. I'm John J. Miller of National Review. Thanks for listening. This show is a production of National Review and a recording from the studio of WRFH, the campus radio station of Hillsdale College. Our guest is John A. Bertka IV, editor of Gateway to Statesmanship, Selections from Xenophon to Churchill. Johnny, welcome to The Bookmonger. Thanks so much for having me on, John. What is statesmanship and what made you want to publish an anthology of the best that has been thought and said on the subject? That's a great question. Uh, I like to think of statesmanship as a political leader, whether they're a governor or a senator or a president, with their hand on the rudder of the ship of state, using the the principles of, of prudence and, and virtue as both Classically and Christian, uh, Christians understand it, guide the, the, the state to preserve freedom and virtue and to do that in navigating through tumultuous waters. Uh, the reason that I wrote the introduction and put together this collection of classic texts on statesmanship from the Mirrors for Princes tradition is because when I, when I look out at the contemporary scene in America, we get, a, we hear a lot of complaints about candidate qual- quality, about our political leaders. Uh, but there's actually something something interesting in contemporary American culture today. We have uh, a ton of books for business leaders on how to be the next Steve Jobs. Right? We've all seen these, whether it's Peter Thiel, Zero to One, or Jim Collins, Good to Great. Every year, there's a million books about how to be the next great entrepreneur, but nothing comparable exists for statesmen. And so this book really is is arguing on behalf of an ancient tradition that this is a historic anomaly. There is actually a number of, of classic texts that aren't just the theory of statesmanship, but actually make it concrete for aspiring statesmen, and they've existed going back to antiquity in every civilization, and so the book is trying to bring them back for a new era. You mentioned the mirror for princes tradition. What is that, and then what exactly is in this book? Yeah, so the the mirrors for princes tradition is basically, these are are, uh, short pamphlets or letters that were written by either aspiring tutors or advisors, most often for a new king or queen when they came to power. Think of them like a self-help manual for a political leader. So they, they take first principles and they connect it to lifestyle advice, and they were presented to kings or queens. But what I'm arguing is there's no reason we can't bring that back for our own Republican system of government. Some of the, you know, the classic texts that uh, most, you know, listeners may have been familiar with, uh, Cicero's On Duties was one of the most famous uh, mirrors for princes. So famous that, that Thomas More, 1500 years later, said he never left the house without a copy of Cicero's On Duties in his breast pocket. But there's other texts, uh, Xenophon's The Education of Cyrus. And then as you look, you know, even to the east, you see uh, in ancient China, Han Fei, uh, The Art of Persuasion, which is included in my text. In India, there was one called um, The Arthastrata, which was by Catilia, uh, that really uh, shapes uh, Indian uh, thinking on grand strategy to this very day. And then in the Islamic world, you have uh, Al-Faribi's Aphorisms of a Statesman. And you see this tradition really extend through the medieval period and kind of reach its apex in the Renaissance with Machiavelli's The Prince, uh, Erasmus's The Education of a Christian Prince, and Thomas More's Utopia. 
and then the tradition vanishes. And, and I've actually included some, some new texts from the modern era, from Churchill and de Gaulle, uh, in the hopes of uh, kind of building out this tradition and bringing it up to speed to the modern day. You have a lot of ancient and medieval writers in this book. You've name-dropped a few, Aristotle, Aquinas. They're, they're all here. They've been dead for a long time, Johnny. What can they possibly have to say to us about our time and its complexities? Well, what I learned from my undergraduate uh, education at Hillsdale is that you can tell the, the truth of an idea by the fact that it stands the test of time. And with many of these texts, I mean, they were actually uh, the most, some of the most popular texts not just for a century, but for a thousand years. You know, specifically, I'm thinking of Cicero's On Duties. So anyone who opens up this book, hopefully to any page, because I think every author has something to say about today, will will really see that this is practical wisdom and advice to help leaders in every domain live a life of virtue and to become better at their their roles and responsibilities as leaders uh, tomorrow. I mean, these are little little nuggets of wisdom that you can implement. So I really think that anyone who opens up the book and begins to read will, will just sort of intuitively see how this makes sense for today. And also, they'll, they'll look at our kind of leadership class, whether it's the class that's leading America's universities today or the members of Congress that we're so often dissatisfied with, and they'll see the deficiencies and hopefully uh, want to recover some of this ancient wisdom. We have a big election in the United States this year in 2024. What should voters look for in candidates for public office? Should they seek statesmen? What should they see or try to find? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a difficult question because I, I think in our in our minds we obviously want uh, our candidates to be honorable and virtuous human beings but the reality of of politics is that they're often not uh virtuous they're often ambitious and you do see this throughout the mirrors for princes tradition is it's a struggle to advise um you know a political leader because the people seeking that are seeking often you know power you know at, at the expense of nearly everything else around them. And so part of the art of of being an advisor to a political leader is to know how can you actually tie the, sort of the first first principles, the virtues, the common good uh, to the self-interest of political leaders so that they'll take it seriously and and govern on behalf of of the good of the the regime and not just their own uh personal gain. So I mean, I think obviously you uh, you want to find people that are that do have those virtuous qualities, but that's rare, you know. And so I think I, I believe it was Buckley's maxim that you want to you want to vote for the most conservative candidate who can actually win. I think there's a dose of realism that you need to bring to the table. Do you have a favorite selection in Gateway to Statesmanship? One that you like to talk about and might might share with our listeners? Yeah, I think my my favorite one is Thomas More's Utopia. And it's my my favorite because he's describing this scene, and obviously he uh, he served uh, Henry VIII, and he lost his his head uh, in service to the, to that king. So he has a remarkable portrait of courage that's that's worth remembering. But in his book Utopia, he's describing this fictional conversation between a character with his own name, Thomas More, uh, and another character named Raphael, who's a wayfaring 
uh, intellectual. And he's trying to persuade Raphael to enter into politics and to offer his services in the court of a king. And Raphael says, oh, no, no, no. You know, Thomas, I would never deign to enter the court of a king. I'm far too pure to get my hands dirty in the business of politics. A king would never listen to me. And Thomas More rebukes him and says, the reason that things are so bad in our regime is because philosophers will not condescend to kings to offer their counsels. And essentially, he's he's, he's advocating for getting in, into the arena. And Thomas More says, you have to stick with the play that that's at hand, right? You can't abandon the Commonwealth because you don't like the direction. You don't give up the ship because you can't control the winds. You know, you really have to get in the game and take what what is happening and make it as least bad as possible. And hopefully you can do better than that and actually get, turn turn the situation to some good. And Thomas More really lived this out in his whole life and, and was an advisor to the king up until the point that he asked him to deny his faith. And then he said, you know, I'm going to die the, the king's good servant, but God's first. So I think there's a, a great lesson there for how, how we can both maintain our principles, but also have a realistic approach and, and get our hands, get our hands dirty when appropriate. One of the lessons of the Mirrors for Princess tradition in your book, Gateway to Statesmanship, I think is that nobody's born a statesman and there's an important role for education. Erasmus says in his The Education of a Christian Prince that getting a good political leader hinges almost entirely upon their proper education. And, uh, you know, that's what we're doing at, at ISI, and that's what you are all are doing at Hillsdale College. If we care about these, these principles, we need to build uh, and multiply the educational institutions capable of disseminating the knowledge. When you think of statesmen getting more directly to your question, no one's born a statesman, it really is this complex interplay of virtue, but also fortune or providence. You know, if George Washington was born 10 years earlier or 10 years later, he probably still would have been a virtuous man, but we might not know his name today and America might not exist as we we know it. And so there really is this complex interplay of needing the educational institutions to disseminate the knowledge so that we can have more virtuous individuals, but then also the timing of that with the the, the shifts of, of fate or fortune or providence that enable um, a, a leader to emerge and take on responsibility. Johnny, one more question. You mentioned ISI. You are the president of the Intercollegiate Studies Institute. What is ISI? What do you guys do? How can our listeners learn more about it? ISI was founded in 1953, and William F. Buckley Jr. was our first president two years before he founded National Review. And ISI really exists to educate students in the history of Western civilization, in the tradition of ordered liberty, going all the way back from Jerusalem, all the way through Athens, Rome, London, uh, culminating in, in Philadelphia, where our nation's experiment in liberty was born. So we host you know, over 150 lectures, events, seminars, debates, introducing students to this great tradition. Uh, but more than that, providing a, a network of young leaders um, who can form friendships, who can marry each other, who can start companies together and go on and make an impact at the highest levels of American society. So you can find us at isi.org if you are a student who wants to get more involved. 
Our guest is John A. Burka IV. The book is Gateway to Statesmanship, Selections from Xenophon to Churchill. Johnny, thanks for joining us on The Bookmonger. Thanks so much for having me, John. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to leave a review. Your reviews help new listeners discover us, and that helps us keep this show going. We'll be back next week with an episode of The Bookmonger.